pray for your promotion. I pray for your healing. I pray for a new level. I just something you were created for, and you've not yet been able to, in your own effort, get. I'm just asking God to take you to that new level. Amen. Within the next few minutes, before we leave here tonight, that a miracle of heaven will take place. In Hallelujah. In such a way that He can only get the glory for. Yeah. So so amazing, something you may have struggled with for years, but He does it, and you can't help but tell the world about how good He is yeah. to deliver and heal. Set free. Amen? Amen. 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 Wow. I joined Pastor Deacon celebrating the goodness of God in his presence here tonight. Man, you can drive up on the property. Wow. Like, wow, Lord, your presence is out here. We prayed for that, but man, what a powerful, powerful, powerful God we serve. And he has told us this, this year that if we'll do and honor and obey his word, then we're going to see it work in a way like we've never seen before. And his word is that we welcome the Holy Spirit. That we not try to do life in our own strength, and our own wisdom. We were not created for that. Have you ever wondered at the mediocrity of what passes for the normal Christian life? If you really study the first century church, you see a supernatural gathering of people who received supernatural guidance and supernatural word, supernatural power, supernatural deliverance, supernatural promotion, supernatural healing. And, and you ever just wonder at the mediocrity of just what today, if we're not careful, it just passes for the normal Christian life. I ask the question, why is it that so many Christians are not living lives that are marked by what we see in the Bible. Marked by joy and marked by peace and marked by patience and marked by power and marked by goodness and marked by the rich and abiding love of God. All that that the Holy Spirit brings. Is the, this experience of this full and this rich and this amazing Christian life set aside only for a select few? Or is it possible that God has made provision for everyone who calls on the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to experience the fullness of all that God has promised? And I believe the answer is a resounding yes. I believe it is yes. That what God has is for everyone. His love is for everyone. His goodness is for everyone. His power is for everyone. The manifest of His, His glory, heaven on earth, is for everyone. Amen? But I believe this is only possible when we emphasize the personal. Did you hear that word, personal? The personal encounter with the indwelling presence and the power of God's Holy Spirit. God has set, his, he has set it up. We can't change it. We're not bigger than God. We're not smarter than God. And we shouldn't even want to change it. But God has set it up that in this church age that you and I get to participate in, that it is by and through His presence of His Spirit that He will operate and grow and advance us in, and His church. It's, that's His plan. There was a plan where His Son walked among us. For 33 and a half years. It was, it, was at, it was an age before you and I were born. But he was come to usher in this age. To usher in the moving of his spirit and the dwelling of his spirit and the power of his spirit that would not work through just one or a select few, but would work through his whole body who would welcome his presence. That personal encounter, the indwelling presence and power of God. Take your Bibles tonight, and if you would, join with me as we look in the epistle of Ephesians as Paul was writing to the church of Ephesus there in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, looking particularly at this one verse where he tells us by the Spirit of God, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. That is not good. He said, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. 
Look at somebody and say, be filled with the Spirit. Say, be filled with the Spirit. Be a little convincing about it. Be filled with the Spirit. I believe the apostle here by the Spirit of God is addressing our need in the first part of this verse when he says, do not get drunk with wine. I don't believe he was just picking on uh, their, their tendency to be running to the bottle and to get it in excess and to a sense where they come under its influence. I believe there's a need that he is addressing here. Because you might think it odd to begin here, but the apostle is beginning right where we live. I love that about God. That when God gives us his word, he touches us right where we live. And if people have a problem of running to uh, alcohol or, or these intoxicants that will cause them to, uh, for one reason or another, do different things, then, then he deals with us right where we're at. And, and he says, do not get drunk with wine. Now, why do people get drunk? You may philosophically disagree with others on that, but... You know, I grew up in that community. I grew up with many, 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 many adults around me, generation to generation, that, that was given into this. I've seen it from every aspect that you probably can see it. And I'm sure there are many reasons, many that I've seen and many maybe I've never even heard of, but I'm sure there are many reasons why people get drunk. Some drink too much in order to forget the past. They have memories that they are not, they've not processed, that they're not dealt with, and they don't like to deal with them. And this how, some way, it helps them. And it usually, though, when you do go to this state, it causes more things to happen that are negative that adds to the bad list of memories. And if you're not careful, you can see how this thing compounds and pushes you even deeper and deeper and deeper into these clutches. Perhaps people get drunk to escape the present. They don't like what they're going through at the present. And rather than man up or woman up and make the choices and the changes and maybe the hard decisions to bring change, they, they want to somehow or another try to numb themselves from dealing with the present. Others may get drunk to escape things that uh, have been said about them. Uh, you know, a vast number, I'm sure, do it to feel a sense of joy. Or that's what they've told me. And they make a fool of themselves, and for them it seems funny and joyous. If you film it now with cameras the way you do on every phone, you can catch people. I wish we'd have had that growing up. Because what we would recount as to what happened, they always, when they were sobering up, said, no, it didn't happen that way. And it was like, well, we were there too, and we were not under the influence of some intoxicant. We, but, but now with phones and cameras, you could really, really show some folks up what they think is joy, really too much joy after all. There may be a sense of a certain joy or happiness or lightheadedness that comes from a state of intoxication. I've, I've seen such negative effects of it. I've never drank it. I never wanted to even see what the experience was like. Uh, it, it's been so negative in what I've seen. But I, I suspect that there is a need for maybe forgetting the past or escaping the present or a sense of happiness that they don't get from their regular life. And, and the thing is, we know that getting drunk does not solve those problems. Amen. Your judgment is impaired, both physically and mentally. That is proven. You, the alcohol or the drug takes control and causes you to lose control. So what little good sense you have, you've now thrown that to the wind. And the things that you would normally not do, that you feel un, uh, you may be inhibited to do, now you feel uninhibited, and maybe now you're dancing on the table half naked and thinking it's a cute thing, and everybody else does not. It gets you in trouble. Did you know alcohol and drugs are found to be the base of poverty and the loss of financial standing? It is alcohol and, and drugs that is found to be the base of many physical infirmities and, and, and most marital problems. You will find that where there's especially domestic violence, that there's some type of intoxicant that is involved in this relationship. Alcohol is found to be a common denominator of most all crimes and found to cause most of vehicle casualties. If you look at the casualties that happen in vehicles, you will find there is a root of alcohol and drugs there at that source. That's why I believe the Bible says it's a dissipation. It is, it is, it is not good. 
My, my questions are, if coming under the influence of an intoxicant causes so many pr problems, why do people keep going back to it over and over and over? Why do they still do it? And I believe this should be conclusive evidence that there is a very real need in our lives, an underlying need that may not be being met. And the enemy is taking advantage and is spotlighting that real need that, that we have in our lives. And, and, and because we can't seem to manipulate or, or, or find our way on our own, that we, we run, as generations before us, has run to the intoxicants. See, all of us need to be able to deal with the failures in the past because we've all made mistakes in the past. We all have failures behind us. We have losses. We have fears. We have anxieties. We, we've made mistakes. Amen? Every one of us. So we have to learn how to deal with the past. And all of us need to learn how to deal with the, the present stresses that we have in life. Some of the stresses that you're dealing with are stresses that maybe are, are, should not be having to deal with. And you can make some decisions and choices and not deal with them. But you don't want to run from all stresses because the very stress is the, is the gravity coming against you that's helping you build in your career and build in your relationship and build in your life. So, so if you can't find a stress-free zone because you would just go to nothing. We weren't created for a stress-free zone, we, but we were created to learn how to deal with the stresses of life. All of us need to do that. And I believe all of us need to experience joy and laughter and well-being and happiness and fun. All of those I believe God has created for us to experience. And these are all real needs or perceived needs in our life. And, and, and we are uncomfortably aware of them, sometimes painfully so. And that's the very reason I believe so many people resort to intoxication. But God is giving us a better way. The one who created us. The one who knows that we're going to have things in our past that we need to deal with. The one who knows that we are presently dealing with stresses uh, in our day-to-day uh, -day life that is stretching us and making us smarter and making us bigger and making us figure it out and is really helping us and causing us to pull together in community rather than isolate in isolation. He, he knows there's a better way to help us through this thing called life. He calls us to a life that he says, do not get drunk with wine. That need that you're having, that, that pressure that you're feeling, that, 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 that life that you're having to endure is going to want to push you. The enemy's going to try to push you to the intoxicants of this world, but I have a better way for you. Now, now I believe that when God says, don't do this, I believe he always gives us something to do. And we see here in the scripture, he does. He sees the need in our life that needs to be fulfilled. And that's why in the latter part of the verse there, he says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now we're looking at this, this worldwide problem that we have of, of drunkenness and intoxication and all the problems and all the poverty and all the deaths and all the sickness and all the broken relationships that it's caused. And, and he's looking at the heart of what's behind all of that, the need of life that is not being met and that, that is pushing people to try and find a numbing uh, to a, a toxin of some sort to help them deal with it. He, he said, no! The real fulfillment to meet the need is my Holy Spirit. But you need to be filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. So what has been missing in, for so many believers is this dynamic relationship with the Holy Spirit. I believe today in the 21st century that we have more alcohol that is freely drunk among Christians and seemingly without any problem so today than ever before. And there's articles that are being written on it. Why is the church leaning to alcohol? Why is the church becoming a church of drunkenness? What is the problem? And I look and there's a parallel. It goes right back to when we said it's not cool and it's not proper and it may not look very professional and it may not be uh, a pleasing 
pleasing to the eye for us to come together and yield our lives to the Spirit of the living God who may move us, who may shake us, who may stir us, who may cause us to a higher calling in God. That, that when we say, no Holy Spirit, we'll do church without you. We still have that need in life and now the church is having to run for the toxins of the world to try to numb themselves in order to get by and survive. And I say, why in the world would we run to some rot gut stuff that is going to lead to poverty and lead to sickness and lead to problems in life when we have the Spirit of the living God who is more than willing to fill us afresh and anew. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome, Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit at Christian Embassy. Holy Spirit, I want you here more than I want the oxygen that I breathe because I know you supernaturally can cause me to breathe without oxygen if necessary. I want you, Holy Spirit, here in this church more than I want any popularity or that I want any name or that I want any title or that I want anything. God, we want you in, to, in this house and working and flowing through this house through each and every one of us. Amen. I was reading some studies that said that in many churches today, the work of the Holy Spirit is almost totally neglected, neglected in teaching and in practice. And as I was reading this, I said, this should not be so. And I said, God, help me. If I've in any way hindered, if I've in any way dimmed the light on the spotlight of who you are, Holy Spirit. Because the Bible emphasizes the power and the Bible emphasizes the person and the Bible emphasizes the work of the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible, but especially in its teaching to us of how to operate as the church in the church age, bringing in the final days of this earth for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see the Holy Spirit work in the Old Testament through and through. We see the Holy Spirit working in the New Testament through and through. The entire book of Acts. I mean, read the book of Acts. Just read it. It could literally be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. That would be its title. For from the beginning of verse 1 all the way to its very end, you see the record of the history of the church being birthed and the church growing and the church coming under persecution, but the church continuing to grow and the, and, the, and the devil trying to shut up the church, but the church getting a louder voice and the devil trying to, to kill people and the church raising up people. Let me tell you what, it was all by the Holy Spirit. So why is his work so underemphasized today? Perhaps it's because we have to give control over to him. Maybe that's it. Don't raise your hand. Is there any control freaks in here? Don't raise your hand, please. Please. <laughs> Just say, deliver me, God. Deliver me, Lord. <laughs> any control freaks in here? You got to have it. It's got to sit right here. No, 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 no. Right there. No, right there. Right there. Right there. Yeah, don't you come in here and mess that no, up. That's where it's supposed to be. Any control freaks, don't raise your hand. <laughs> Maybe he's underemphasized because we really don't understand his work. And I believe God wants to use me to help you see our need, our desperate need for God by his spirit working in and through our lives and our as we work, as we go to school, as we live life, as we raise our families, as we have uh, uh, friendships out here in this world, we need the Holy Spirit. I know the enemy has done and is doing everything he can to silence the word on the Holy Spirit. You can talk about the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit to people and they'll start shaking. They're like, oh, I don't know about all this. I, I'm scared. I'm scared of him. This is God. And he's holy. He's without sin. He's without unrighteousness. He is, he, is, he is perfect. He is God. How can you be afraid of God? He is God in us. Jesus, Emmanuel, was God with us. The Holy Spirit is God in us, flowing through us. So whatever the reason, we're not going to allow it here. We're going to call it out. And we're going to say, welcome, Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. 
Remember, it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, right? So, so we're talking about God, the Holy Spirit. And just as the Holy Spirit was active in creation, He is working in our lives as well to do things in us and through us today. He is also here to convict us of sin. We need Him. He reveals Christ to us. He draws us to the Savior. He regenerates us. And the Bible says He dwells in us. Do you know if you'll study the work of the Holy Spirit, you'll see that the Holy Spirit seals us. The devil's trying to steal us, and the Holy Spirit sealed us until the day of redemption. We need Him. We should be drawing closer to Him, for He's the one who anoints us and fills us and intercedes for us and leads us and guides us and empowers for us and provides for us and works through us. The Holy Spirit is God doing everything God does in and through our lives. And in light of all this, you know what? We should get to know Him better and better and better because if we studied with our little brains our whole life, we wouldn't even see even a fraction of a fraction of who the Holy Spirit really is. But we can, we can go into discovery mode all the days of our life. I would pray that every day you would wake up and say, Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God, I want to know you better today. I want to know something about you today I didn't know about you yesterday. I want to see you move in my life. God, if there's something I need to yield, let me yield it. I want to see you manifest. I am your temple that you dwell in to do whatever you want. Hallelujah. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled. Be filled, he said. Now, in the English, that kind of looks innocent, right? Just be filled with the Spirit. But God didn't choose English to give us this revelation. He used the Greek language, and in the Greek language, he uses this verb, uh, uh, pleuroste, and it, this pleuroste verb, look, it is, it is a second-person plural present imperative passive verb. Why you get so quiet? You're like, the professor has come in, and I'm, I'm afraid the test is coming next. It's the second person, plural, present, imperative, passive verb. And you say, what in the world is that? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're going to break it down. Because if he tells us that to fill the need of every man of all the world, it should not be running to the things of this world and the toxins of this world, but it can be met by the filling of the Spirit of God. I want to know what be filled really means. So, so the verb, it has this verb in the Greek. Verbs have a mood. Do you know anybody that has a mood? Are you married to anybody who's moody? <laughs> Their verb has a mood as well. They may be happy, they may be sad. And when mama's not happy, no. Is that what Brother Harry says? Mama not happy? No. Happy wife, happy life. So it sounds like wives are, have a verb tense that is mood, has a mood to it. But you women, we'll just go ahead and fess it up. Men do too. Men do too, right? Right. So the verb, yes. Girl, you better be careful. <laughs> so the verb's mood is imperative. And what does that mean? That means it's a command. Be filled. God is not saying this is an option you have. This is something you should consider. This is something you should date. He, this mood of this verb says, it's for you. And you better receive it. You better take it. This is how you're going to live life. This is how you're going to fulfill your God-called destiny. This is how you're going to succeed. This is how you're going to overcome. This is how you're going to be the head and not the tail. This is how everything you lay your hands on is going to be blessed because the blessing of Abraham's on you and you transfer it everywhere you go. He said, this is how you must be filled. It's imperative. So a true Christian must be filled with the Spirit. It's not some option that we can choose on our list of spiritual delicacies in life. It's a command from God. Be filled. I use my voice to speak the heart of God, and he's saying to you tonight, be filled. Be filled. Be filled. That's the mood. Now, this verb also has a tense. Like our verbs have a tense, and we know our tenses, past, present, and future, pretty simple. But this Greek verbal system is much more complex. It is the present tense here leans to the continuous action. So it means that something starts, but it does not stop. It must continue. It would be properly translated, be being filled 
continuously. If you were to properly translate this verb from Greek to English, instead of being filled with the Spirit of God, you would be being filled continuously with the Spirit of God. An action that begins, but must, it must. Its, its, whole, its whole verb tense says it must continue. If it doesn't, it's a different tense, and it's not the command that God gave us. So we're not called to simply be filled once. I love it about how the disciples, if you remember, on the day of Pentecost, they get filled with the Spirit of God. And, uh, you know, now Peter's uh, preaching, and thousands are being saved, and... And it doesn't tell us exactly how many weeks or months it was, but there came a day as they moved on in the book of Acts that a lot of threats were coming, and they were, they were being told, if you keep preaching in the name of Jesus, we're going to lock you up. And if you can do anything you want, but don't talk in this name of Jesus, don't teach in this name of Jesus, don't preach in this name of Jesus, don't pray in this name of Jesus. They were afraid of the name of Jesus. That should wake some of us up to say one of the weapons of our warfare is the name of Jesus and the blood of the Lamb, and the Word of God, and we should use it because it makes the devil nervous. Right. So they, they were losing this courage and this boldness and this wisdom that they were operating in. It was like it was draining out of them, and they noticed that. So they got together and said, we got to pray. we got to pray. And they said, what are we going to be praying about? So we got to pray that we would be filled with this boldness again, boldness to speak in the name of Jesus. The devil's threatening us, and the spirit of this age is trying to silence us, and our spirit, man, is waning, but we need the spirit of the living God that when we were filled with him, it was like we were supermen and superwomen, and, and nothing would back us down. We would run over the devil. He was under our feet. So they prayed for boldness, and the Bible says God shook the place that they were praying and filled them, filled them with His Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Oh, then they learned that we don't need to, to get full and run dry and get full and run dry. As you see the Christians maturing throughout the, the church age, they began to pray in, in the Spirit. As Paul says, I pray in the Spirit more than all of you. He says, when you pray in the Spirit, you're being built up. The word that's built up is like a contractor building something up or a battery being charged up. He's like, when I pray in the Spirit, my mind doesn't understand and other people may not understand, but there's a language God's given me that through my Spirit and the Spirit of God that when we are communicating, uh, there's download, there's recharge, there's building up, there's boldness, there's wisdom. He says, I pray in the Spirit and sing in the Spirit more than all of you do, and I wish you would as well. Then the devil comes over here with a religious uh, outfit on and says, oh, but if there's no interpreter, you should stay silent. And everybody's like, oh, I don't know if there's an interpretation. Oh, that's not proper. I better, I better silence myself. Satan says, ha, ha, ha. And next thing you know, we run into wine because we can't deal with life. Let's go through a study like we're doing and we will rightly divide the word and we'll understand there is a place where a message comes by the Spirit and if given in tongues, it must be interpreted because it is a message for the, the group. And if you feel like speaking in tongues and silencing everyone and you taking over and then you're given a message in tongues, you better make sure you have an interpretation or there's one to interpret. Otherwise, he says, what does it... It doesn't help anybody. Better to prophesy in, in the language of the people. And then he says that tongues with interpretation is really for the unbeliever. So it's a miracle that happens in their presence that God speaks directly to them through this attention-gathering process that shakes them in their little, little hiding corner and says, whoa, God's talking to me. This, it's a purpose for it. But those with the religious garbs, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of those uh, sad people, you know, in the, in the New Testament that was trying to do it all so perfect because they didn't need God and they were going to be their own God, you know. They, they, we got that same spirit still wants to march in and say, oh, it ha can't, can't be that, can't be that. I'm like, rightly divide the word. That's not what the word says. 
Paul said, I pray in the Spirit more than all of you. And I sing in the Spirit as well. I wish you all would, he says. Right? And if you can pray as a congregant, as a, as a choir of prayer, Townsend's over there praying for, you know, his exam maybe he's got coming up, and you're over here praying for maybe a promotion that you're going in for an interview, and you're over here praying for a lost family member, and, and we're all praying out loud together in concert. There's nothing wrong with it. Because what Townsend's praying is between him and God, and what you're praying is between you and God, even though we're doing it as a concert, right? Nobody goes over there and says, no, shut up, Townsend. No, go in that closet back there and pray. You can't pray in concert. You know, we can't have that. And that's the same thing. We can pray in the Spirit in concert. I'm taking the lid. There's never been a lid that I put here. But there's an imposed lid that our traditions seem to keep creeping in that tells us that when we worship God in concert, that we can't worship God and let the Spirit of God flow. And I'm saying, enough of that. You pray in the Spirit, you sing in the Spirit. We, if our musicians will just keep on going and they'll play, there's nothing more beautiful than a, a congregation of people in, 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 in a concert of praise and worship just beginning to let the Spirit of God charge the whole group, the Spirit of God deposit in the whole group. I'm telling you, that is not only welcome here, I'm going to take this verb mood that says it's an imperative, and I say we are to be filled. This house is to be filled. This church is to be filled as well as our individual bodies as well. Hallelujah. So we see that the verb tense is present with this continuous action of be, being filled continuously. But the verb also has a voice, and its voice is passive. Now what does that mean? It means that the subject is being acted upon. Now, God's got all of this. That's why he chose the Greek to give us the details of the New Testament revelation because it has so much more there. So being filled is not us going and grabbing a pitcher of heaven's water and pouring it on ourselves. It's not us filling us. We're the subject that is to be acted upon that the Spirit of the living God is so here and desirous. He's telling you. God says, I'm telling you, my Spirit is present with you and wanting to move on you and move in you and flow through you and bring the need being met from heaven to earth so that your life lives a supernatural life so that you've got joy and you've got goodness and you've got mercy and you've got patience and you've got faith. He says, it's supernatural. I want to bring it to you. You don't have to work any harder. You don't have to dig anymore. You don't have to jog on the treadmill of, of, of religion anymore. All you got to do is be like an empty cup that says, fill me and receive him. And he is the one who does the filling. So no more spiritual calisthenics. You don't have to add anything to your list in order for God. Oh, if I was good enough. Oh, if I was a, you know, if I was a pastor, man, then God would fill me. No, no. We're all the subject that he wants to act upon. Hallelujah. Now we see the verb is also in the second person. What in the world does that mean? That means it is addressed to you. But it's not just second person singular, it's second person plural. So in other words, he's saying every one of you. So that's why when I opened up, I said, is it that there's just a select few that God has chosen that he, because of their calling or because of their dedication or because of whatever, that he's going to fill them and do supernatural exploits through them? And then I said, no. This is why I said no. Because he says to be filled is for you all to be filled. Now, if it was southern Greece, it would be y'all. Y'all be filled. You all, every one of you, includes everyone. Say, that's me. That's me. So whatever your situation in life, whatever your education, whatever your occupation, it does not matter. We are all to be filled. 
with the Spirit. Hallelujah. So, so what, what we're talking about is this dynamic relationship of being uh, encountered and filled with the Spirit of the living God is so amazing. Jesus talks about it. In John 14 and 17, he says, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you. And this is before Jesus goes to heaven, to the cross in heaven. He says, and he will then be in you. Well, now that's ours. He is in us. He is now available to be in every one of us now because Jesus has made the way. Jesus has been the bridge of reconciliation that brings lost man back to being a found man before God, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, reconciled in the relationship. So now we can not only have the Spirit of God abiding with us, but we can have the Spirit of God in us. Hallelujah. See, the Spirit was promised by Jesus to us. He, he also said, that the, the Father... He, I mean, Jesus is covering all angles here. He said, even the Father promises you the Spirit. And behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father, he says in Luke 24, 49. He said, behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. When the promise of the Father, Jesus says, it's my promise, I'm sending my Spirit to be in you. Now he says, the Father also promises that he's going to come and endue you or clothe you from on high with power. Hallelujah. In Acts 1 and 8, the promise continues. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and even to the uh, remotest part of the earth. The Holy Spirit gives us boldness. The Holy Spirit gives us wisdom. The Holy Spirit gives us what it takes to do what God has called us to do and fulfill our purpose and our destiny. We go to Acts chapter 2 and we see how the fulfillment of the promise came when the Holy Spirit came in Acts. And, 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 and we just see that, that Peter, when he's preaching in Acts 2.38, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, he says, And Peter said to them, Repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then he stopped because he says some of the denominations that are yet to come after me will be uncomfortable with this Holy Spirit idea. So let's stop there. So you just be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. No! He goes on and he says, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. The promise is for us all. Hallelujah. It should be obvious that it is God's will that every believer live with the power and the filling of the Spirit of God. It is the promise to every believer that calls upon the name of Jesus. And it is for you. It is for you right now. He is here. Being filled by the Spirit produces a zoe life in us. A zoe life that is the root of sozo. Romans 10, 9 and 10, call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, surrender to him and his lordship, declare his lordship over your life, believe God's raised him from the dead, you shall be sozo. Same, same word that Jesus said to the blind man, go, thy faith has made you sozo. Same one he said for the one who was delivered from bondage, you are now free, the word free, sozo, you're sozo, you're sozo, zoe life. And here he is saying to us that as the Spirit of God comes in, he brings the power of heaven for us to live a Zoe life, a life of abundance. Sounds like what John, Jesus said in John 10 and 10, right? That uh, the devil's come to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and life more abundant. That Zoe life, that life that is abundant, he wants to bring to us, but he brings by the indwelling and the infilling of his Holy Spirit. You're not going to have that Zoe life if you're not filled with the Spirit of God. So he says to you, do not run to the things of this world. Do not run to the rotten things that the world is providing to try and help you cope with life. No, there is Zoe life that I've created for you. There is a need that is being met, but it will not be met by drunkenness of wine. It will be met by being filled with my spirit. Hallelujah. Jesus spoke of this in John 7, 37. Now in the last days, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out saying, 
If any man thirsty, if he's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And who believes in me, as the Scripture says, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. He's given a description. He's given a description of how the Holy Spirit, when he fills us, he doesn't just fill us to be in full, but now that he, he, he unleashes a river. He unleashes a river. He said, but this is he who spoke of the Spirit. He's speaking of the Spirit. For those who believed in him were to receive. You've got to receive him. For the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. One of the first jobs I had that paid me a little money, I grew up farming uh, most of my younger days, and there's, there's no money there. That's family. You're supposed to do it. We're all in it together. Yeah, that's why we eat and have a roof over our head. But my uncle bought an old well-drilling rig. And it's B&B well drillers, or B&L maybe it was, well drillers. And this old thing, it was, it was a manual crank on it. It wasn't the hydraulics and all the fancies. It was everything manual and crank. And they had this young farm boy that, that knew how uh, to do a little hard work. And they said, you know, we'll give you a few dollars if you'll come. Well, to get off of the farm, you'll almost do anything. So I go. And I'd crank that big tower up which was laying on the bed of the truck, and I'm guessing it was 30, maybe 30 feet out, three stories, and crank that thing up with an old rusty crank and, and cable and get that thing set in place, and then we would start drilling and you know, 10 foot, 20 foot, 30 foot going down. I remember one day we were in one of the driest places I'd ever been, and in my mind I said, there is no way we're going to find water here. And as you're having to change all of those pipes and keep adding to them, and if they got clogged up, then taking all of them out joint by joint to unclog the bit, the, the bit that was down there uh, uh, chewing away at the earth. And, and it was, you didn't want that to happen, so you didn't want to have to go deep. But where we were at, 70, 100, 120 feet was a norm. That's, that's going to deep water under the rock, not the surface water that uh, you don't want to be drinking. And... Um, we got to the rock, we set the casing, and then we're drilling through that rock, and, and it's quite a process as we're going through it, and we finally break through, and everything explodes. And we're like, what's going on? We thought maybe a hose had busted, but the tank that it was drawing water from had now run dry, but water was still spewing and spouting everywhere. We had hit a, a, a living well. We had hit a, a well that, that was like a geyser. It just started shooting out. And we were trying to fight and get the pipes out of the way. And we just stood back and marveled at this water in this dry earth, this hard, rocky place that we had gone down so deep, but we, got, we broke through and when we broke through man that fresh water was flying we were taking a shower we were drinking it we were having a party that the pressures of the earth it was like that water was looking for a way out it was looking for a, a way to express itself he said i was created to water that dry earth up there i need a conduit i need a casing i need something to break through this rock and let me out and let me tell you what the same is true for the church today we are nothing but dry we are nothing but form we're nothing but figure but let us keep digging and digging and get on the rock of Jesus and say Jesus what do you have for us and he says I've got a living water I've got water that you don't have to hook a pump to you don't have to hook up with a, a well I mean you don't have to put pipes in it all you got to do is let him flow in you and through you and out of you because the world around you is dry the people are thirsty the people are running to the drink of wine uh, trying to figure it out and it's making it worse because they're running to that because they don't see another option they don't see another opportunity but if my church oh my church uh, would rise up and be filled with my spirit to where the living water would begin to flow out of us that we would get our control uh, notions out of the way and say I to live is Christ let the anointing do in me and through me and say through me what needs to be and Jesus said out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Do you see that? Rivers. Not a river. Rivers. I grew up in a part of the South Carolina where you can drive over the bridge and there are many signs there. It says this is the Black River. This is the PD River. This is the Cooper River. It starts talking about all these rivers as they all start coming together going into the ocean. 
Let me tell you why. There's rivers. There's rivers from heaven that are flowing, trying to get into the ocean of this world. And you and I, are, we have the privilege of being the conduit for it. Rivers of living water. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That you can taste and a taste becomes a river and a river becomes rivers. Hallelujah. Welcome, Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. Oh, I pray that you would take a drink of the Spirit of God. Be not drunk with wine. Don't take a drink of the wine, but take a drink. Be filled. Take a drink of the Holy Spirit. You say, well, Pastor, how? How? Well, biblically, there's, and I don't say any of this to say this is the only way. Because there was a place where they went and said, have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? And the group of believers says, uh, uh, what Holy Spirit? We baptized the baptism of John, but what Holy Spirit? And, and then they, they prayed and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in tongues. Another group speaking in tongues, filled with the Holy Spirit, and they said, have you guys been baptized in water? And like, no, we, admit, we've been, we don't know what we're doing, but this is amazing. Huh? And then they preach uh, the fullness of salvation to them so they have a full understanding. But their hearts were so hungry for God that even though their heads weren't in the right place, their heart was, and the Spirit of God is flowing. So we don't want to get our head in the way that our heart shuts down. Do you hear what I'm saying? So I'm going to give you some practical suggestions as we close tonight, but don't let these become so resolute. The, the rod iron, the, you know, the angle iron that, that, that frames out how it has to be. We know these are biblical, and they're worthy for us to study. First of all, if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need to be born again. I would say it's very important that if you're going to become the temple of God's Spirit, that your temple is dedicated to God. And our temples were born fragmented. Our temples were born, uh, we're sin. We had the uh, nature of Adam in us. And that nature of Adam that Jesus bypassed by being born through the virgin so that he could redeem us, we need that redeeming work that he did. He bypassed Adam's nature, that sin nature in us. We need the sanctifying power of him and what he's accomplished for us because we couldn't accomplish it for ourselves. He couldn't even accomplish it if he was born through the seed of man. So what he's provided for us we must receive. We need Jesus. That's why we can't go through Buddha. That's why we can't go through Muhammad. That's why we can't go through any other ideology. It has to be the one that came and lived a sinless life, shed sinless blood, died a sinless death, and then had the power to take his life out, take himself out of the grave by the power of his own spirit, and then to make ascension to the Father. And there the blood, sinless blood, applied to our sinful account to all who will repent. Change the way you think. Repent. Turn from trying to work it out on your own and come into Jesus and say, and I surrender to your Lordship, Jesus. You the one, you the one figured it out. You're the only one can pay the price. Either I go to hell and spend an eternity trying to pay the price for my sin, for the wages of my sin is death, separation from God, or I can take the plan of God, the gift of God, that he loved me so much that if I believe on his son, Jesus Christ, I can be saved. So we must be born again. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. So you need to be born again. Secondly, you need to ask. <laughs> That's really tough, isn't it? Luke 11 11 says, if a son asks for bread, this is Jesus' teaching. If a son asked his father for bread, is he going to give him a stone? If he asked his father for fish, would he give him a, a serpent instead? If he asked for an egg, would he give him a scorpion? If then, being evil, this earthly father knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit? To those who what? Ask him. So you need to ask. Then I say you need to surrender. 
Romans 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Metamorphosis. There needs to be a metamorphosis, a transformation by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You've got to surrender. It's not your will. It's God's will. And then, number four, you need to be willing to obey the Holy Spirit. If you said, I'm, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it, I ain't doing it. If I'm uncomfortable with it, I ain't doing it. If I don't like it, I don't do it. If I don't understand it, I ain't doing it. The Holy Spirit said, well, there's a stubborn head. I can't, I can't flow through that one. There's a, you know, your head is hard as a rock. We were drilling that well through that rock. We hadn't got through yet. Hadn't got through yet. You got to be willing. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus from the murder of who you murdered hanging on a tree. Him God is exalted to the right hand of the prince and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Hmm. You got to be willing to obey. Well, if I like it, if I'm comfortable with it, let me tell you, he's God. Well, I mean, I've had people say, well, what if he tells me to pull my pants down? I don't want to be humiliated. God, I'm talk we're talking about God here. We're not talking about the drunkenness of wine. Now, that will tell you to do something stupid like that. But not the Spirit of God. You can trust him. He's not going to make a fool of you. And then you need to believe. Very, very important. Galatians 3 and 2, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law? Or did you receive the Holy Spirit by the hearing of faith? you got to believe. I pray that faith would come to you by the Word of God. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And I want to bring scriptures and I want to bring the Word of God and I want to rightly divide the Word of God. And as we teach the truth in this house, I want your faith to rise to the place where you said, I believe. I believe God. I believe God's Word. I believe the Holy Spirit wants me to be, wants to fill me and flow through me and do miracles in and through my life beginning tonight, not tomorrow, not next week. I believe. And if you believe, you can receive Him by faith. And then finally, we need to exercise what God has given us. That's faith without works is dead. James 1, he says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Hallelujah. Acts 2 and 4 says, And when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they, they, if you take it back to its original language, that's what is imposed there, they, not the Holy Spirit, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit, as the Spirit gave them utterance. So by, by faith, you need to begin to exercise by speaking what God has given you. I've had people tell me, I think uh, Dr. DeLong, uh, you don't mind me sharing what you just shared with me. He said when he... You know, here's Dr. DeLong, and he's studied, and he's taught, and he's a professor, and he's respected. But he's one that was seeking the, the fullness of the Spirit of God. And he said, he only got, what was it, two syllables? And he got two syllables. And he's like, so he just kept, he kept, by, he was doing this right here. He's like, I don't have but two syllables. Well, you know, when, one thing about the Spirit, the, it's a language. He tells us it's a language. It's a heavenly language. So if it's a heavenly language, what is, it really doesn't... Um, I mean, God can do a miracle and give you English like he gave Pastor Rodica that when she was interpreting uh, for Russell James over in Romania as a teenager, and God opened her mind and gave her English. But most people have to learn a language syllable by syllable. And my kids learn dada first because they love their dada more than they love their mama. I joke mama all the time, but they always loving on her. And I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on with this picture here? But, you know, it's easier for a baby to go da-da than mama. So I just play on that. They love daddy more. Happy wife, happy life. Yes, sir. 
So it is a language, and if you, if you have to start with a syllable or two, man, be, be a man or a woman of faith and begin to pray. And say, if Paul said that if I pray in the Spirit, this releases my spirit communicating with the Holy Spirit, and there's a work of heaven in me and, and me in heaven, things that I can't even utter as being, oh my goodness, the Holy Spirit is doing this, is a miracle, and I want to be a part of this. I believe it's that what the prophet prophesied a pure language would be restored in the latter days. And a pure language is a language without foulness, without curse words. And we know every language of man has a curse word in it. But there was a language that maybe Adam and Eve spoke in the garden before the fall. They said, oh, they spoke Hebrew. <laughs> there wasn't even a Hebrew people then. There was a language that they spoke that's going to be restored, so that means it's been spoken before. And it's when God communed with them face to face. Hallelujah. We have access to this heavenly language. And even though it profits our intellect none, it profits our spirit man. And from within our spirit man, it gives access and freedom for the Holy Spirit to not only instruct us, but to flow through us. Hallelujah. So we must exercise what God has given us and begin... You say, well, I'm, I'm just shy. I'm shy. Well, if I'm learning Romanian, I've learned that I'm going to learn it in my, in my study office before I go speaking it in public, okay? Because I was real bold at one time when we were dating and I was trying to learn the Romanian language and, and I met her mom and dad and brothers and sisters all got together and we were around a table eating and, and I'm going to be the next member of this family and I'm just, and there I'm one of the only American in the family and the only pastor in the family that's going to be, you know, it's just a, a great time and I'm bold and I'm talking and everybody's red and silent. And, and I, Pastor Radika, she said, stop, stop. I said, what did I say later? <laughs> I was saying things that a preacher shouldn't have been saying, but I, it was innocent. I didn't know. I didn't know. So if you want, you know, I'm not, hey, but the cool thing about when you're learning to speak the language of heaven, there is no bad words. You can be bold. You can be bold. <laughs> Amen. So how do you receive the Holy Spirit? Here's six things, I believe, practical steps that will help you. But let this be your pursuit, not just to be filled, as our verb tense would say, as a one-time thing, but to be being continuously filled so that the power, and the wisdom, the knowledge, the glory, the anointing of heaven is flowing in us and through us to a world that needs us now more than ever. The world is broken, and the world is on a trajectory that looks like there's going to be uh, uh, just a, a terrible, terrible collision if something doesn't happen. And the Bible talks about in the last days that great outpouring of His Spirit and that end-time revival that will bring in those that are willing to turn from the mess of this world to the message of Christ when they see the light and the love and the power of God in and through you. Don't be drunk with wine. Don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Would you stand with me? Spirit of the living God, we've been saying this since January 1, exactly how we heard you say it. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome, Holy Spirit. And as we close out this message here on this February, Wednesday evening, we say it again, welcome Holy Spirit. We open our hearts, we open our minds, we open our lives, we open our families, we open ourselves up to you, Lord. Lord, we know there's greater wisdom, there's greater insight, there's greater knowledge, there's greater power, there's greater, greater everything that you have for us to flow in and through us as the world so desperately needs. Lord, I pray, and I pray that the, everyone under the sound of my voice would dedicate themselves to be an, an instrument of righteousness right now. That we would dedicate ourselves to be a temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that we would take your command seriously 
and we would continuously, we will make sure that we are continuously being filled, that we are as the subject, subject ourselves to you, Holy Spirit, to continuously being filled by your presence and power. Lord, I don't know if there's anybody that will join with me, but I, I lift up my hands to you, Lord God, as a sign. See me here, God. I dedicate myself to be a temple unto your Holy Spirit, that you, Holy Spirit, would come and abide and live in me, fill me. Let the rivers, let the rivers of living water flow through me, Lord God. I, I don't want to be the well, I don't want to be the, the well that is sucking in and taking from the world. Lord God, I want to be the conduit that all of heaven is coming and, and quenching the thirst of the world, that the world doesn't have to turn from, a, from an impotent church to a, a wine bottle, church of a that people don't have to turn from an impotent church and go and try and find fulfillment with marijuana or some kind of drug, whether prescription or non-prescription. That they don't have to go and try and find their fulfillment from an impotent church. They see there's nothing and they go through a, a, an illicit relationship. No! Lord, I want them to see us like a city set upon a hill. A light that is shining. That is drawing men out of darkness. That they say, my heart is parched and my life is thirsty and they can say there's rivers of water flowing from the house of God. There's rivers of living water flowing from the church and Lord they become begin to come and they would find their fulfillment. They would find their refreshing. They would find their oasis in this dry and parched land here in the house of God. Lord let the church, let the church be your body filled with your spirit, filled with your anointing. Let the rivers of living water Water flow through us tonight. God, we don't want to quench you. We don't want to quench you. God, I raise both hands and I say I dedicate myself. I, de I pray somebody would follow my lead. I dedicate myself as a temple of the Holy Ghost that you can abide in me, Lord. You can flow in and through me, Lord, to reach the world around me. I give myself away. I give myself to you. I give myself to your cause, dear Lord. I give myself to you, Holy Spirit. Fill me now. Fill me afresh. Fill me anew. Fill this house. Fill my house. Go ahead and begin to declare your body is your house. Fill this house, my house. But then the house that you live in with your family or with friends say, God, fill my house. And then as we gather together here as a church, the house of God, say, fill this house. Yes, God, fill me, fill my house, and fill this house, Lord, with your spirit. Lord, we need you. We want you. We desire you. We want to flow the way you would take us, Lord God. Let us be the raft and you be the water. And you take us, God, into every place that you would have us go, bringing your joy, bringing your goodness, bringing your pleasure, bringing your zoe life, bringing your anointing, bringing your power, bringing, yes, Lord God, the answer to every problem flowing through us by your Spirit. Here am I, Shandarabasi. Yes, Lord, we worship you. King of kings and Lord of lords, you are. King of kings and Lord of lords, you are. Holy, holy, holy. We worship you, we worship you, we worship you, Lord. 
Help us to break through that rock, Lord, and let the geyser well of your Holy Spirit, the rivers that are converging within our spirit, man, begin to flow up out of this place, Lord God. Hallelujah. Lord, we hear your word. We obey your word. We walk in your word. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, let there be a kickstart here tonight, God, of what we'll take into our homes, what we'll take into our prayer closet, what we'll take to work tomorrow, what we'll take into the marketplace tomorrow, what we'll take into school tomorrow. Lord, let there be a let there be a, a, a just a, a kickstart, Lord God, to help us, Lord, to see our need, to see. Lord, the need in such a way that it stirs a desire. Oh, a desire in us. A, a yearning, a thirst, Lord God, to be filled continuously with your Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for each and every person that has come here this evening to support the teaching of your word and the corporate gathering of worship, ascribing glory and honor to you. Lord, I pray that there would be a reciprocation of favor from heaven on them. I pray, Lord God, a reciprocation of blessings for their time and their effort to be here in the house of God. Lord God, that they would go into the remainder of this week, Lord, and they would see your hand in a special way. I'm asking as their pastor, and I'm asking as one that intercedes between you and them, Lord God, I intercede for them and I pray for them all the time. And I'm asking you, Father, for a favor. I'm asking for a favor, Lord, upon their lives. A reciprocation, Lord God, of that which they've given into your house this night. Lord God would go and, and take uh, just hold in their house as they go. May you bless them. May you anoint them. And may you fill them afresh and anew, each and every one. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.